TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And we do welcome you to the Two Guys and a Mic Show, TalkZone.com, on a beautiful midweek Wednesday hump day, if you will. Our uh, phone number here, if you want to check in, 888-463-6748. We'll be talking sports and more. That's what we do each and every day on the Two Guys and a Mic Show. Big win, big win, big win. He shoots, he scores! A shot and a goal! Had to do that one for Lloyd Pettit. Remember our famous announcer in Chicago? Uncle Lloyd, Lloyd Pettit, went up to Milwaukee. I think, was, was he a part owner of the Milwaukee Brewers? But a good part of my childhood, a good, solid part of my childhood, was spent listening to Lloyd Pettit doing the Blackhawk games as the Hawks advanced to the conference championship last night. I kept thinking of my guy Lloyd. May well, he rest in peace. Hey, Coach, I'm oh. glad you were thinking of him because huh? somebody needs to think of him. Because if you leave the Chicago Blackhawks play-by-play job and then end up being a partner with Bud Selig, Somebody has to think good thoughts about you because your life has just turned to hell. Yeah, it's not exactly a step in the right direction. I was not even aware that we had the big dog on the line. I apologize. Otherwise, I would have given you your big intros, but let me just finish. I don't need props, Coach. Huh? I I don't need a prop. I just need to be with you for 55 minutes. Okay. Uh, our producer, David Olson, gave me the thumbs down, said we don't got Joe. I said, well, I'm not sure if he's coming on today. Not a problem at all, but uh, lo and behold. What a pleasant surprise. Big dog, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm putting on the lotion, putting on the foil. I'm getting ready, Coach, for, for a good 60 minutes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. Suddenly I'm very glad you're doing the uh, show from a different location. <laughs> but uh, you had one of the great predictions. It didn't come perfect, but uh, for all intents and purposes, it came true. Way before this series started, you said the Blackhawks uh, at the United Center would lose. Yeah. The first game, and then would come back and win the next four. Not quite, but close enough. They win at Vancouver yesterday. So your prediction came true. You look like a soothsayer, my friend. Uh, I look all right because I really was steadfast that it was going to happen exactly like I said, that the Hawks were going to win in five and they were going to lose the first game. But, mm-hmm. you know, through the first four games, I was getting, like, like phone calls from people. Yeah, this is Vinny the Box, and uh, just was wondering what you were thinking as Atlanta Hawks. Do you think they can make it a close game? I was like, you know, hey, 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 I don't want to be in the box, Vinny. So, uh, you know, I was just lucky. I pulled that one out of my butt. But, you know, it ended up going in six, so I'm not going to act mm-hmm. like I, I got that right, though. But I think you have to admit this. The Thrashers gave the Hawks a lot tougher series than the Canucks did. Wouldn't you agree with that, Coach? Yes. Well, I still remember. I would completely agree with that in the – the goal by Patrick Kane with 13 seconds left. What was it? Game five. Game five. Right? One of the, the to me the greatest Blackhawk game I've ever seen. Yeah, one of the most. I was going to say one of the most dramatic goals in Blackhawk history, and you're calling it one of the best games. But if it wasn't for no, that goal, the best 13 seconds. The Blackhawk fan I could ever remember is that game. Yeah, I would. I would not totally disagree with you. I don't know memory. Maybe some of the excitement fades. But bottom line is, without that goal with 13 seconds left. We could be talking a different story, so I do agree with your antithesis or your thesis that the Nashville team gave them a tougher time than Vancouver. Uh, without it, it, 
is the fact that, you know, Vancouver was only a couple points ahead of Nashville. So Nashville's a really talented team just because they were had a seven next to their name instead of a mm-hmm. four. It, and hockey isn't that big of a difference, and, yeah. and the styles were different. But uh, then again, now that the Hawks are going to move to San Jose, we'll definitely cover more what happened with Vancouver as we do the mm-hmm. show. But By the way, San speak- Jose style plays right into the Hawks, too. Yeah, I want to so get it, into the – I do want to get into the analysis of San Jose because my knowledge of the San Jose Sharks is about equivalent to Gordon Beckham's batting average right now. It's that's not, not very good, Coach. It is No, it's not real uh, good. Uh, well, at least there was a couple firm line drive outs yesterday. <laughs> I didn't see it. All I saw was the 0 for 3, but he did hit the ball. Yes, he did. Uh, I, I was flipping back and forth, Cub game, White Sox game, until 8.36 when the puck dropped, and let's just say I didn't go back – I only went back to the Cubs game when uh, things were All right. well, I do, non-commercial. I do want to get through and do a baseball a little bit later in the show. And I guess, uh, and again, I should say our listeners, you guys dictate the uh, content of the show. Anything you want to talk about, you want to go baseball, we'll jump off at me and the big dog right here at your service. 888-463-6748. 888-463-6748. You can email us too at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. M-I-C in the number two. Mike. Two guys at AOL.com. Big Dog, very disappointing. No emails over the night from Cinemax. Cindy, you might be losing your touch, or she might have found another sports talk host to stalk. Well, I'm fine with that. Hopefully she continues to listen. You know what, Coach? I always said you haven't made it till you found yourself a stalker. Well, I've had one of those before. Yes. And now that I've had one, I don't need to do it again. It's not all it's cracked up to be. No, no, it was. It was worth it. It was. It was awful fun mm-hmm. to live in paranoia. I didn't have to smoke any weed anymore after that. I was like, oh, this, this paranoia you've, without having to spend sixty bucks a week. It was pretty good. You've been a stalker and you've had a stalker. Which experience is better, if you could uh, divulge? Well, uh, basically, all the way until actually getting <laughs> locked up, the stalking was much better. Okay. But being stalked, you know, it was fun all the way until I was the one that needed someone else locked up. Yes. Yes, that takes all the fun out of it. I, I don't ever remember stalking somebody, so I must not have been very good at it, Coach. Now, I want to go back to uh, tangenting. I want to go back to Lloyd Pettit also, but I want to go back to Nashville before we leave them very quickly because uh, well beyond the hockey, the fine folks in Nashville listening here to the TalkZone.com. Some tough times of recent, Big Dog, with the major flooding there and even the uh, Grand Old Opry and a couple of they the other. The uh, whole complex, not just like the building. They right. have like a whole complex. Yes, major uh, destruction. I know there's been some deaths, but uh, we got to send some sympathies and our goodwill and thoughts out to the fine folks from Nashville. Uh, we might want to send some uh, non-perishable goods yes. also. And yes. some porta potties I mean, that's about as bad a flood as I can. I mean, that reminds uh, me of like, the, you know, uh, Missouri and Iowa back in uh, 1994. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? That's I do remember. The, 93? the Mississippi River, uh, the cup hath runneth over. I do remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's some bad stuff I, down there. And I like your sentiment, by the way. I'm, you know, giving the whole spiel about you know the thoughts and the sentiment. That's all that I like your uh, I like your angle. Go with the practicality. Forget about the thoughts and and, and the sympathies and the prayers. S- send practical goods. Yeah, and it's right? a good reason to get rid of some lima beans and you know some tuna that you're never going to eat in yeah. your refrigerator or in your in your cabinet the slightest bit of good i've always lived by this and i think it's a very good philosophy uh david olson i know you take notes during the show i pass along wisdom you never know what it's going to come david shaking his head but his number two lead pencil was nowhere to be seen the well, slightest better, our old producer you know david's taking notes our old producer used to take valium well he <laughs> he didn't know how to write either uh, <laughs> the slightest bit of good big dog 
Remember this here. The slightest bit of good is better than the best of intentions. Uh, that's one of my favorite quotes that yes. you have, Coach. And it is so true. It, it is, is so true. By the way, speaking of so true, you mentioned the lima beans and stuff. I, I, I kid you not, at a rare moment in time, um, my wife is a hoarder. I'm a thrower aware. And this morning, for no particular reason at all, what I started. What did you call your wife? Huh? What did you call your wife? A hoarder. My fault. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, so for no particular reason, I wasn't planned. It was spur of the moment. I started going through the uh, the cans, all the canned goods that were in the cupboard, and started looking through the back. I think I found uh-huh. a, a steak and pepper barbecue sauce expiring like August of 08. And you know the, the little peppers on the bottom of the uh, the bottle that you're supposed to shake and mix? Yeah. The, yeah. Well, while I tried shaking it, the peppers were stuck to the bottom. That, that's usually not good. <laughs> you know, that's not that bad, though. Two years isn't – I mean, I've heard of worse things inside. Of, I've, I've heard of people leaving leftovers, like, for food in a, in a refrigerator for, like, nine months. Yeah, it's disgusting. I go yeah. through the vegetable drawer on a regular basis, and, uh, you know, when you see the fungi, you know it's time to throw it away. But I probably threw away 10 to 12 – cans that had expired it's a waste absolute waste so i uh to all the folks out there go through the cupboard you know and if you're not going to use it give it away that's what kind of brought to my thought processes you know uh give it to a food pantry send it to people in need like the folks in nashville right now but expired food just an absolute waste by the way i do have some paul newman creamed spaghetti sauce that is expiring in a month i won't be eating it i can send it to you if you're interested creed yeah it's creamy uh, what's it called? Oh, Alfredo creamy. sauce. Alfredo creamy. sauce. I thought you said Creed. Like as in the band? No. Paul okay. Newman Alfredo sauce. It expires in a month. I'm not going to eat it. I'll send it your way if you'd like. Uh, that's that's quite all right. Uh, Cloudy is the chef at the house. So we, <laughs> we, we, we eat very well, Coach. He makes his Alfredo from scratch. Okay. See, I like that better. He doesn't scratch and then make the Alfredo sauce. Well, it depends on if Alfredo's here at the time. <laughs> Nicely played. Very nicely played. All right, where were we before we got completely distracted? We were talking Nashville, and then we oh, can, can I throw my uh, kudos out at the beginning of the show before I even knew you were co-hosting today? I was talking about my guy Lloyd Pettit and his great goal. Yeah. I was almost wishing on one of those five goals the Hawks scored yesterday. I can hear one more time. Lloyd Pettit with a shot and a goal. That pause, big dog. The pause when you're listening on radio. After the shot, you know what I'm saying? That suspenseful yeah. oh, one. That was awesome. It was. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a little different because there's a lot less shots in hockey games than there are pitches in baseball. But there's before every single pitch that Harry Terry ever covered, he would here's the pitch, and it was, you, you know you have to pay attention for another second mm-hmm. to see if something was going to happen. Especially effective if it's on radio. Yes. Yeah. yeah and that's better. where they. That's where he started. So when you get. Even the great TV personalities, uh, whether it be Lloyd uh, Pettit, because uh, he did a little TV with WGN, not a lot, but, you know, um, or Harry Carey, uh, Jack Rickhouse, they all started on radio. Ernie Harwell, they were all radio, so mm-hmm. they were a little bit more descriptive in what was going on than the, the typical television guys that are right now. Not that I'm... let the broadcast do it speaking. Yeah, and not that I'm spending a lot of time longing for Lloyd Pettit, because it's been said many times, many ways. It's been said many times... Uh, Pat Foley and Ed Olchick doing the games are outstanding. And I know oh. that's a common thought process, but those two guys just listening through the playoffs here, you know, you listen to a game here and a game there. 
But when you hear them game in and game out over a long-standing period of time, you really, I mean, I enjoy the talent level of the Blackhawks. Those two announcers, they are the goods. You know, Coach, in the city of Chicago, depending on your age, we've been blessed and cursed in so many different areas. You know, we've been blessed to see individual athletes like, you know, Ernie Banks and, and Walter Payton and, yep. and Frank Thomas, Sammy Sosa, Michael Jordan, you know, or if you're a little bit older, you know, like Brett Hall, I mean, Bobby mm-hmm. Hall and, and Ernie Banks. But, uh, and, but generally our teams have been bad. You had that one reign of where the Bulls were just dominant for about 12 years and they won six championships at the end of that. Or, but other than that, you know, lightning in the bottles, Chicago White Sox, or probably one of the most disappointing world champions of all time when you consider the Chicago Bears. They were the best team ever, the youngest team in the NFL, and they never win again. But the one thing that Chicago has always been phenomenal at is the play-by-plays and radio guys in this city, it, they're phenomenal coach. Jeff Joniak of the Bears doing the radio play-by-play is as good as it gets. Okay, and then Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek, are you kidding me? That's as good of a of a telecast as you're going to get. And Pat Hughes is in the city. Yep. A lot of people hate Ken Harrelson. White Sox fans absolutely adore the man. You know, and he's had, you know, his color guy is Steve Stone, who's been on the both sides of the city, and he's as good an analyst as you can get. Yep. For the ups and downs we have in Chicago sports, our broadcasters, our people doing the play-by-play and the color here in the city are absolutely A number one, A+. plus. Mm-hmm. Any of our uh, Chicago listening audience you care to uh... – analyze, agree, and or disagree with the big dog on that uh, announcer analysis, if you will. Or if you're uh, listening from another city, you want to talk about your announcing crew, we can dig into that a little bit. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. big dog and the coach. I'm a little curious that you gave that much compliment to Jeff Joniak. He takes a little bit of a... Um, a little bit of a hit at times, probably less so now than he did before with the Bears. I think he's pretty good, but I was a bit surprised to hear you say he's as good as it gets. No, no, no I, I wouldn't say as good as it gets. I love the guy, though. I think he's really, really good. He's mm-hmm. phenomenal. I think he's – I mean, there's probably better guys in the league, and I have to admit I don't know the NFL play-by-play radio guys like I do baseball because I'll listen to baseball games. If Like if I'm in the car, I'll start checking 620. I'll start checking – uh, yeah, I'll, uh, 700. I'll start checking all the stations where other, like Cincinnati or Detroit or Milwaukee will come in just so I can hear those guys coach. But mm-hmm. with football, you know, I'm, you know, I'm watching the NFL red zone channel and or the Bears game. And that's pretty much all I'm going to be watching. So I, I don't get too much of the, ra- uh, the radio stuff, but I do like Joni. Like if I'm in the car and check it out, I, I'm always, I, I think he's good. I think he takes way too much abuse though. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I, I think he's a he, much improved, and he's a grinder. I think he's a guy. If I could relate it to athletics, a, uh, he's an announcer that didn't have a lot of tremendous natural talent or charisma, who has worked at it and made himself better. So I always I appreciate athletes that are like that, and I appreciate an announcer like that. Joniak is, uh, at the least, he's grown on me. Yeah, this is true. And, yeah. and uh, now uh, TalkZone.com is based out of New York. New York's got. Like some of the greatest broadcasters of all time. If you if you go down the list, Red Barber and Mel Allen, then Scully started in Brooklyn. And mm-hmm. and coach, there is n- nothing like going to bed to the MLB Network, listening yeah. to Vince Scully tell you lullaby stories as I fall asleep. I'm not kidding you. It's, that's like mm-hmm. a perfect night for me having I've, Vince Scully I've, tell me stories. I've Back heard in. for uh, people out in California, uh, people will go to bed and Vince, the voice of Vince Scully, can be how do I gently put this somewhat of an aphrodisiac? Yeah, well. Uh, Coach, I wouldn't know about that, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. 
But I would have to. That, it might be. It, it might yeah. possibly be. Coach. Yeah. If you know, you, you don't have a good bottle of red wine, you put on a music, and uh, the voice of Vin Scully might be the next best thing. Uh, oh, and he's got. You know, he doesn't whine very much, but he does have the red hair. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned uh, the Talk Zone corporate headquarters in New York. Is that correct, David? I thought it was here in Chicago. Okay. No I, headquarters I in New York that. as far right as I here know. in Chicago. Now, there is a possibility. I don't know if this is a company secret or not, but okay. So right now we're, we're – <laughs> Yeah, our corporate headquarters are right here. I'm sitting right next to the corporate uh, – what do they call that on the other radio station? They have a cute name for it, but the – I'm sitting right, you know, I'm not that far away from the big honcho, Big Doug. Really? Is yeah. Chris Whitting the big honcho? The commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, he is the uh, the creator, the knower of all. We haven't seen him for about six months, but he's a wonderful, wonderful individual. And the less we see him, the more popular he becomes. That usually helps. When you talk about the guy in charge, <laughs> you tend to like the guy in charge yes. a lot more when he isn't hovering over your there's, back. There's a direct correlation. See, that's why we put in the video he, so he can watch you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we so are being web. So Chris, wherever yeah, he is, could be. some dark clandestine office somewhere. Uh-huh. He's just watching you in secret. Wow. When I heard about the eye in the sky, Coach, that's when I had to leave. <laughs> George Orwell, 1984. Uh, all right, Big Dog, we got lots to talk about here. Again, our phone number, 888-463-6748. Two guys in a mic, Big Dog, and a coach at your service. Right up until 11 o'clock, Blackhawks win it 5-1. to one. Uh, you got to feel good for Troy Brower. He scored the first goal of the game. It kind of broke things open in the second period and loosened the tension a little bit. It was a great game, by the way. The first period, even though no scoring, I thought the energy and intensity level from both teams was a high level. But Troy Brower's goal kind of kind of kick-started the Hawks, did it not? Yeah, absolutely, because the, the Hawks, I thought, had outplayed Vancouver. Had about the same amount of shots, but... Scoring chance is definitely in favor of the Chicago Blackhawks, but really in the, in, in the first period. Yeah, in the first period, but he's standing on his head. It seemed like the Hawks had many more opportunities to score, but Luongo was making the saves on those plays. That save he made on Patrick Sharp in wow. the first period wow. had my heart racing. I was like, "Oh no, oh no, yes. please!" You know, because yep. you, you hate in hockey to be out playing somebody, and then all of a sudden a soft, you give up a soft goal, and you're down one nothing. You're like, we're killing these guys. I had the same reaction. He made a couple of real nice saves before that, and then he makes an unbelievable save with the glove hand left side on Patrick Sharp. And I'm thinking, as you are at the time, uh-oh, we got a goalie standing at his head tonight. It's going to be tough to win. Yeah, but it, it, Patrick Sharp in the second period is able to put a perfect pass right on Brower's stick, and, and he scores. Versteeg scores off a turnover. Dave Boland scores off a turnover. Uh, so two unassisted goals. The second one, or the, the third one of the game, the second <laughs> one that I was talking about was shorthanded. So you think about it, Coach. First, he has not had the best. I love the kid, but he has not had the best playoffs. Troy Brower has not had the best playoffs. Dave Boland has not had the best playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then at that point of the game, it's 3 nothing Blackhawks, and Kessler doesn't have a shot to one of their best players. Henrik Sedin has one shot, no point. Uh, Daniel Sedin has no shots. All the best players on, on the Canucks had basically produced zero zilch in this game. And the three players that the Hawks are just hoping to step up as role players and be grinders have goals for them. Yep. Th- that was, at that point, it was like, it's over. And then Big Buff scores, and then Kaner scores, and the game is done. Mm-hmm. It was one of those games, too, where I was watching it, but I swear to you, every time that I... Took my eyes away from the TV, go fix my kid a late night snack, go to the bat, whatever it was. Every time I left, 
score. Goal, what happened? So I missed, I mean, I saw him on replay, but I missed, I think, four of the five Blackhawk goals. Uh, you know what's funny, Coach, is in this particular series, the only two games that I wasn't able to watch, basically mm-hmm. from the drop of the first puck to the Hawks skating off with their hands victorious were game number one and game number five. Game number one was because of my goddaughter's communion. You can't blame me for that. And uh, game number five, I was in the midst of working hysterically on getting something done. Mm-hmm. So I was, it was on in the background, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. I stopped working for a minute. I was just listening to the game, and every time I heard Pat Billy's, what's going on? I would always know that I had a turn. You know. <laughs> well, I stopped and started watching it, and it was the only goal of the game that the uh-huh. Blackhawks scored. Yeah, big win for the Hawks. We're going to uh, break down just a bit today, maybe a bit more tomorrow. The San Jose Sharks, Final Four in hockey. couple of great games tonight. you got uh, Montreal in a Game 7, right, in Boston and Philadelphia. In a Game 6, Montreal taking on Pittsburgh, trying to pull off the upset. The Penguin fans will be... Uh, They'll be enthused, but they'll be a little bit nervous, too. All the pressure on Pittsburgh, but you got to love a Game 7. Even if you, as I, haven't watched a lot of Penguin hockey or Canadian hockey, that's must-see TV. Game 7 tonight, Big Dog. I know you'll be watching. Unless you have another... Absolutely, and uh, luckily, you know, as Hawk fans, we can watch it with a big sigh of relief and just enjoy a Game 7 without having to worry about our own Game 7 the next night. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, the NHL is just sitting there with a smile on their face because either they're going to get... Did the kid moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals, or they're going to get their greatest and most popular organization moving on to the second round? So, you know, that's a chiching for them any which way that it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Boston, Philadelphia, Boston trying to finish Philly, and, and they better do it tonight. Because if they don't, you talk about having all the momentum. They were up 3 nothing in that series. So they need to I, – I do realize that um, – you know, it's still, you know, they would have any, anything could happen in Game 7, but you need to finish the team. When you're up 3 nothing. you do not want them to even the series because they basically, at that point, have all the pressure on them, even more than what Pittsburgh would have. So now those, the, those um, big hockey games. Tonight. The game is at Philadelphia, right? Game 6 at Philly? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so you're saying Boston has to win on the road tonight. They don't want to come back home. Knowing oh, that they've lost three games in a row, the pressure would be on them. Yes, and... and yeah. And trust me, we have found this particular year, home rink, home ice means nothing. Wow! As of right now, I mean it's amazing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, and, and that series, in the six-game series that the Hawks just played uh, with the Canucks, the the home team was one in five. And in in the national series, it was very similar. The the Hawks were three and zero in uh, in Nashville, and what one and two in in at home. So I mean, it's uh, that's. I mean, so so far in Blackhawk uh, games, it's been they're two and ten. The home team is two and ten in the yeah. Blackhawks two series. Yeah, it, it's gone almost from a. And again, hockey fans, you want to chime in here, big dog and a coach, couple of uh, hockey experts, or if not, we at least play one from ten to eleven each and every weekday. Uh, phone lines open at triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Dial up, talk some hockey here. We'll get to some other sports in just a second. Email Mike two guys aol dot com. But big dog, it's gone from a. Uh, a little bit of a, a trend to now it's almost become routine. I mean, it was kind of cute at first, but now it's going beyond cute, and it's become, uh, at, at the very least, curious how the road teams are, like, dominating the home. Did the home team seem to come out, particularly in the first period, flat? Any explanation? There's probably a bunch of theories. I, I have no idea why, and it, it, the Chicago Blackhawks are definitely one of them. The way yes. they came out game one, first period game one of the Canucks series was atrocious, and, and that better not ever happen again over the next two series because if that happens again, they will lose that game, and you can't afford just to give away a game 
in the Western Conference Finals or I don't want to say yet, possibly the Stanley Cup Finals. So they, mm-hmm. they need to, to come out. And, and, and I, thought, I don't think it's effort. You know they want to win. You know they're fired up. I, 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 I have no idea how that would happen. But, you know, playing football, there would be days where, you know, it seemed like everybody was ready to run through a wall before we went on a football field. And as soon as the first play was, like, it was like mm-hmm. we kept, we, like, lost all our energy in the pregame or something like that. And next thing you know, we're, we're running around the football field with our, with our finger up our butt. I wonder if subconsciously, um, you know, maybe teams get in their comfort zone. It's almost like, uh, if you're at home, it's like going to school on a normal school day. You know, you, you ride your bicycle to school, you got the books, you kind of go through the motions, you sit in class. It's your regular routine. Okay. But, uh-huh. you know, when there's the special school day, the field trip, the guest speaker, maybe a big test, some kind of unique thing, different thing the teachers are doing, you get a little bit juiced up. So maybe it's as simple as the fact that when you're at home, here in the playoffs, teams are in their usual routine. Yeah, we got to get psyched up, but it's the usual psych up. When you're on the road, everything's different. You're on edge a little bit, and just naturally the uh, the adrenaline tentacles are kicking in a little bit more. Coach, uh, I would understand if what you're saying is something that, it happens every single year, but it's a this year phenomenon. With that, that yep. type of stuff just happening this year, yeah. You, you know, I, so I, I don't understand it. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that okay, now that has always been the case, but for the first time ever, officials aren't calling games towards the home team. Mm-hmm. So now the ah. fact that do, do you see what I'm getting? because that we would bring that the type officials of into the start of this year, coach. Okay. Okay, it's like a it's like a, a mystery here, and now you are bringing the officials in as a potential suspect. Uh, maybe because, but I mean, this is they've been playing road. I mean, two teams have played in playoff games ever since the NHL started. You know, so and all of a sudden this year is like the first. This is the first year it's ever been like this, where it seems like the road team wins every single game. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't. I really can't understand it. But I, and if you're in Vancouver. Just think if you're a Blackhawk, and maybe you do get a little bit more fired up with people taunting you. And those Vancouver fans are pretty rough. Those idiots in those green suits. I mean, since <laughs> if you're in the penalty box and you've got to look at somebody those, and those two guys and put their crotch right up against the penalty box. <laughs> those two guys are pretty classic, and I do love the fact that they're sitting right near the penalty box. It's so apropos. Yeah, when, when they stand on their head and they put their, their groin up against the, the glass, <laughs> That is a little weird looking. You have well, to it actually, it, it helps the uh, the visiting team. It actually helped the Blackhawks because when you go through that once, you never want to go back to the penalty box again. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, you you, you don't high stick. You don't yeah. splash. Coach Joel Keenville can tell you all day long. Don't take penalties, guys. Going to hurt the team. It's the play. But when you got a, a green suited guy with your crotch right across the the glass sticking in your face. That's inspiration more than Coach Joel Keenville not to go back in there for two long minutes. Yeah, yeah, I will agree with you. And and you know, on a on a serious note, the one thing I'm happy about the Blackhawks is you know during the last uh, four games of the series they didn't have a too many men on the ice penalty. Well, that's because Lovey Smith wasn't coaching. Oh, okay. coach, that was it was embarrassing. You know, you shouldn't get one of those once during a playoff series. Yeah. They had what four during the national series, and they had two in the first two games mm-hmm. of this series. I mean, come on. You're a professional hockey team. You should not be getting too many men on the ice penalty. So maybe those guys in green, because it was game three and on, they were like, oh, I ain't going back in there. So I'm almost afraid to ask, but as we head to a break, what do you think those guys in green do now during the uh, six-month off season that is the NHL up in Vancouver? 
They're probably smoking green, those potheads up in Vancouver. <laughs> I like the Vancouver people. I was there for a brief four or five day stay. Wonderful, wonderful city. Wonderful, wonderful people. I take your shots at the people of Vancouver as a personal affront. Well, well if you could go ahead and take your shots, Coach. It's probably the hemp oil or something. <laughs> All right, Big Dog, when we come back, uh, you had one great prediction. My great prediction is about to come true in the NBA playoff. Not yet, but I'm looking pretty good. And then we'll get to some baseball talk, and we'll jump off the sports page as well. Okay, so quick break. Go have a cup of coffee and wake up your roommate, Mahmoud, will you? Mahmoud is going to his first cricket game of the year at Wrigley Field. Oh, no, not the cricket, baseball. So... (laughs) Yeah, he was he was packing like it was going to be like for three weeks. And I saw him with baseball games only nine innings, and he was very happy about that. <laughs> All right. Back in a minute, TalkZone.com. Two guys, one mic. We're having fun. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com all right we're back indeed talkzone.com two guys and a mic again thank you so much for joining us here on this uh semi-beautiful wednesday hump day in the fine city of chicago big dog real quick i know tomorrow we are going to have a special guest in studio, tell our very excited uh, two guys and a mic fans who and or what this person might be. Uh, this is going to be uh, the brother of the co-host of the television show that I'm on. Uh, his name is John Benson, and uh, he's an up-and-coming radio guy, and he will be in studio with you tomorrow, Coach. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand about John Benson, uh, hopefully he didn't eat eggs in the morning before he actually comes to me. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Thanks for that uplifting thought. John Benson, co-hosting the show. Very exciting. What um, what sports? Uh, is he you know, Cubs fan, Sox fan? Give us a hint here so we can be prepared with some material. And I, I will tell you this. I, I'm getting to know his brother pretty well. Okay. And I've only spoke on the phone twice with John, and that was because our, our call was lost because I was in the train station. So, I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I, I am told that he's a professional. He's funny. Okay. Uh, and and his brother loves him, and that's good enough for me. If your brother loves you, that's typically a good sign because brothers are the first one to tell you my brother's a pain in the ass. Okay. You know what I mean? So well, that, two, that's usually that's usually a good sign. Two out of three of those sound good. The fact that he's um, funny is very very good. The fact that he uh, likes his brother very very good. The fact that he's professional concerns me a little bit. I'm worried it might throw off our entire show. Well, this is true that will kind of put a little wrinkle in it, but yes. his brother is a diehard White Sox fan. As a matter of fact, his brother was sitting in the first row uh, last night at the at the Target Field, whatever the heck they call that place, uh-huh. uh, watching the White Sox beat Twins yesterday. Uh, so I'm 
probably guessing he's also a, a White Sox fan. Mm-hmm. But, see, the good thing that I like about John Benson is he had a really good job, Coach, making really good money, and he was like, I'm sick of this. I want to go do what I love. So he basically left that job, and he, now he's going to the Illinois Center for Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Follow your passion. Yes, exactly. So that alone right there, you know, I, please don't take this the wrong way, but, like, these, like these kids that – you know, basically have daddy pamper them and cater them, and then they're they're in radio for like ten years, and eventually they make it. Mm-hmm. Not as impressive as somebody that's making a lot of money and said, "You know what? I'm sick of it. I want to go do what I want to do." Yeah. To me, that's bad. That's yeah. awesome yeah. if somebody does that. Of course, point. that's kind of like what I did with my career, but that's a little different. <laughs> so I'm patting myself on the back there, coach. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to. All right. Well, we will look forward to that. Co-hosting the show tomorrow, John Benson. Sounds like an outstanding individual. Uh, so make sure you tune in. Two-hour show, by the way, tomorrow. Every Thursday, we go a couple hours. We combine it with our youth sports fan forum as well. But uh, back to the matter at hand, Big Dog. We kind of covered the hockey. Let's get to NBA basketball real quick, and then we'll head over into baseball. And who knows what other paths we might uh, head off into. Remember what Yogi Berra once said, if you do reach a fork in the road, take it. That's what I we usually that do. Man, he, huh? he, he, knew, he had some wisdom, that Yogi Bear. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We've followed much of his wisdom, which probably explains why our ratings are, are uh, still somewhat near the bottom. But we're moving up, Big Dog. We're gaining listeners all the time, so do not fret. I'm not fretting, Coach. Our arrow, our arrow may be pretty low in the ground, but it is pointed up. At least well, I hope that's know. our arrow. I mean, hopefully it'll move up a little bit so somebody can even notice that it's moving up. Yes. Yes. We can only hope. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Uh, a while back, Big Dog, just like your Blackhawk prediction, I told you, uh, watch out for the Boston Celtics. Don't count the Celtics out. Basically, correct me if I'm wrong, very few people in the beginning of the NBA play were really talking about Boston. They had a good season. They kind of ended out um, on a negative note. You know, the great tradition of the Boston Celtics, but they really kind of flew under the radar come playoff time. They blitzed the Cavaliers at Cleveland yesterday, a shocked fandom in Cleveland. LeBron James, a controversial bad game in the Celtics' role. I'm not there yet, Big Dub, but my Boston prediction, looking pretty good. Yeah, the only problem with this, I mean, the Cleveland could go blow them out in Boston in game six. Yeah. Has there been a good game in this series, Coach? A couple, but most of them, not so. Yeah, I mean, even even the Cleveland's two wins, I'm pretty sure were blowouts, but yeah, I'm going to have to tip my hat to you. You did call this one right. I, I was a little leery. I was like, you know, they still have the heart of a champion, and, and they have the will to play defense. I just didn't know if they had the legs in order to play defense. Well, mm-hmm. it looks like this team has been sandbagging all year long because Kevin Garnett is flying around. I didn't watch yesterday's game. I was, like, Right when the Hawks game was over with, I, sw- I switched over to it. And it was, at this point, there was eight minutes to go in the game, and it was over with. But uh, watching the highlights, watching Sir Charles talk about it, uh, Kevin Garnett is moving around really well, and mm-hmm. and that team, without a doubt, all they care about is winning, Coach. Do you, do you know what I mean? They'll have Ray Allen step up. They'll have Paul Pierce step up. Rajon Rondo, one game he'll have 15 assists. The next game, you know, he'll have, you know, 12 rebounds and 32 points. He just does whatever it, it takes for his team to win. And uh, as much as the Chicago Bulls fans, we all hate the Celtics from that series last year and how they kind of acted like idiots. You have to tip your hat and say they're an excellent, excellent ball club. And Rajon Rondo might have one of the best nicknames that I've ever. Rajon Rondo, excuse me, that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. What's that his, I've, I've heard in the last couple of years. Do you know what they're calling him now? I do, I do not know the nickname of a Rajon Rondo. D'Artagnan. Say it again. D'Artagnan. 
D'Artagnan? D'Artagnan, not D'Artagnan. I don't get it. Of the Three Musketeers. Oh, okay. I didn't, so there was I, the Three Musketeers, and there was like Aramis. Which uh-huh. the, the, the guy with the Three Musketeers, Aramis, he hit like a buck sixty. I forgot exactly what his swashbuckling hitting average was. It was around a buck sixty. I forgot the other two guys' names. And the thir- the fourth guy that came in later was D'Artagnan. Ah, and, now you know, I'm And then what ended up happening is, after a few years and a few escapades, D'Artagnan ended up being better than the rest of the Three Musketeers. He ended up being the leader of the group. Okay. At first, I kind of had stunned silence. I didn't get it. But now as you relate that, that's right on, because that paints exactly the picture of Rajan Ronda, who was kind of the fourth piece in the picture, right behind the Three Musketeers, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, of course, uh, Pistol Paul Pierce. David Olsen, our producer, you're a long-time Three Musketeer guy. It was uh, Porthos and Athos were the yeah, other two. Right. Hey, let's keep Excellent. it clean. We might have some listeners in the uh, country of Greek via our webcast. A very difficult right now, difficult time in the country of Greece. And uh, there's Dave firing some salvos at him, calling him yeah, Porthos yeah. and Athos. Yeah, another socialized country. Hmm. Oh, oh, they're having problems economically. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, they oh, they all are. Never mind. I'm, I'm not even turned to politics. Right Don't now, get me but... started. Don't yeah, well, get me started. I'm having a, all these countries are having problems economically. I'm having a major, major uh, email battle with three extremely conservative friends of mine, and I've been, uh, to some extent, arguing some of the benefits of socialism. So don't you become oh, the no, fourth no, person. Don't, argue- don't even get me started with that because I'm 100% against it. I'm, I, I, have, I can go on and on, and we need a free society, Coach. We need people to have the right to do what they want to do and not have the government tell them what they need to do. So I, we, we should stick to sports today. Yes, I was going to say, if this was a longer <laughs> show, if we were back in our old days and we had a couple hours, I might uh, dig into you right now, but I think we'd be opening up a can of worms that would not be shut until about uh, 1230, and our show goes off the air at 11 o'clock. So, Big Dog, we, you and me would just be talking to each other. Yeah, this, this is true. So, but this... So they tell uh, Rajan Rondo, hey, so they're, they're calling you D'Artagnan now. And he's like, what? It's kind of like how you said it. And then, you know, he thought it was an insult. He's like, that's a dumb nickname. And then he was ex- explained what it meant. He's like, oh, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of funny. He acted just the way you did. Okay. And he was told that's what they've been calling him in, in, on the Boston uh, radio wave. All right, there it is. I like that. D'Artagnan, he's been phenomenal. The game Dark before. Canyon. Dark Canyon. 29 points. I think he had like 18 rebounds, 13 assists. Just a ridiculous game. But uh, Now, there was some controversy, Big Dog, and again, you didn't watch it. I didn't watch much of it because we were watching our Blackhawk hockey team, but uh, there's some fans out in Cleveland, some of the media that are saying LeBron James kind of uh, did not give his best effort last night. He just kind of stayed back and didn't make any particular um, hard desire to get to the basket, maybe making a statement that, hey, if our team is that good, let my teammates do it. So there's a little anti-LeBron game thing going on. Are you uh, aware of that? Or uh, I am aware of it just from the talking heads on uh, uh, the different networks uh, around the country because, obviously, I was busy with Blackhawks, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Cubs yesterday. So I, I did not see the part of the game where it would have mattered. But a lot of people have been saying that, and, and – you know, it's hard for me to actually give a, an honest opinion on that because I didn't watch it. You know what I mean? And I don't want to take Skip Bayless's uh, personal opinion as fact. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I didn't see with my own eyes. So I'm not about to spout off on it. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people saying that. But that type of stuff is so, how do you say, it's, it's so controversial to actually say somebody just in a playoff game cashed the chips in and couldn't care less if they won to prove a point that he's the man and if, if I don't get help. We're nothing, we're nothing, you know, that is so 
that's one of the worst things you could say about a, a player was that they didn't care whether they won, especially if you say it's a playoff game and, and, and how much those games matter. So mm-hmm. I, I will not say yes or no until I've actually seen the game code. I think uh, Tim Legler does a great job analyzing the NBA for, uh, I believe it's ESPN. I think he said it best. Forget about all the psychological stuff with LeBron James. He's a competitor. He wants to win. The bottom line is the Cleveland Cavaliers played tighter than a 10-pound drum. They were tight. They feel the pressure right now. The Boston Celtics played loosey-goosey, and that was the difference in the game, not so much LeBron James packing it in. I happen to uh, go with that analysis more than the former. Okay, well, that, that's, uh, I, I'll be more than happy to take that as, as fact. Uh, you know, because Cle- Cleveland is feeling the pressure. You know, we've, you know, they've been near the pinnacle. Can we get over the top? Oh, my goodness, if we don't, LeBron will leave. But they're, they're the team that has to prove themselves. And it, it, you watch them play in this series. And they're not shooting the ball with the looseness that they did against the Bulls. And you know what? Even against the Bulls, they weren't that loose at times. So I do think Cleveland is feeling pressure trying to go from that good to great and get to the NBA championships. Uh, yeah, and uh, Charles Barkley, I thought was hilarious about it. Three for 14, that's terrible. And he's still sitting around like a role player. <laughs> you know, Michael Jordan would go down shooting. And LeBron standing around like the game don't matter. You know, I mean, I did hear that and I was like, whoa. You know, so like, and then I heard, I kept hearing everybody else say it. So I was like, you know, is it true? Did he really not care? You know, it's funny. And then I heard Legler's take on it, and he was a different from everybody else, basically being like, you know, it's a team loss, and it's not mm-hmm. like he didn't care. So I, I, I didn't see a coach. So if you're going to ask me for my own personal opinion on it, I wouldn't be able to give you one. Okay. Meanwhile, waiting in the lurk is uh, a team called the Orlando Magic, which right now are eight and zero in the playoffs, and I don't know. If any of their eight games came down to the wire, they've been rolling Orlando uh, sitting, resting, waiting, and then on the other side you got L.A. and Phoenix. So we should have a pretty good Final Four, however it plays out. No, absolutely, Coach. Uh, I, there's no doubt about that. Now, uh, all of a sudden, the East, you know, everybody's just wanting to handle whoever comes out of the West is going to win the title, unless it's Cleveland. Nobody's saying that anymore. Who, who's ever in the Final Four, all those teams have a legitimate shot at winning it, even Phoenix. Because mm-hmm. uh, they play such phenomenally efficient offense that, you know, if you don't score a lot against Phoenix, you, you, you're going to lose. So the NBA should be pretty happy what's going to happen here because uh, Orlando is fun to watch. They play as a team. Those are good kids. You know, you, you can really watch that team and enjoy watching them. You know what I mean, Coach? They, mm-hmm. they play hard and they play as a team. And then whether they get Boston or Cleveland, you know, the NBA is going to have you know a marquee team to go up against them. but. And right now, Orlando's going to be tough to beat, Coach. They're getting point guard play. they got possibly the most dominant player in the game in Dwight Howard. If he's not the best, you, know, you, you could definitely say LeBron is. You can say Kobe is. But he, he might be the most dominant. He shot 84% in that series against the Hawks. Wow. I mean, wow. I hear that in one game. Hey, I went 10 for 12. And that's, that's like 84%. He did it for four games. He was going 10 for 12 every game. That's pretty pretty, good. Well, well, I guess it's pretty impressive unless you say what percent of those were slam dunks. Well, they all are. But now, Coach, I know you can, you don't particularly like the guys that all they do is dunk. Well, but that's if you not can true. Do it eight times a game. I could care less. You don't, I would much rather have my best player dunking the ball than taking a fifteen foot jump shot and making. No, it. but but you're misstating a little bit my position. It's not so much the dunk; it's how they get to the dunk. With Shaquille O'Neal, just uh, with big, brutal force, just basically barrels over the guy, makes no particularly athletic move and slams at home. That, to me, I'm not that impressed with. But if you make an athletic move, if you show me some basketball skill, as Dwight Howard uh, has gotten at least better in, 
then so it's not just the slam dunk. It's how you get to the basket that, uh, to me, determines a little bit of how much I enjoy you as a hoopster. Yeah, well, I still think Dwight Howard can grow a lot because you know, yes. right now technically this would only be his second year out of college if this was a 1980. Do you right. know, do you know what I'm saying? So, but he really does need to evolve a more all-around offensive game. But every year he does. You know, he's being able to shoot the ball a little bit further away from the basket than he was the year before, and he's getting to the point where you just throw the ball around the rim. Dwight Howard's going to fly over everybody, catch it, land, make a pump fake. Everybody goes up in the air, and then he jumps from five feet away and dunks the ball. Yeah, I mean his his plays are so phenomenal and so dominant. It really is incredible. He might be extremely he he might not have a wide rep- repertoire of mm-hmm. offensive moves, but the simple fact that they can go down the court and just throw the ball up in a general vicinity of the basket and have him go catch it and dunk it. It's pretty impressive, Coach. I was still hoping when he left high school, I was hoping that uh, he would play maybe a couple of years at the Northwestern and then go to the pros. But he spurned Northwestern and went straight to the NBA. I was very disappointed. Yeah, he uh, he was going to go there, and he had no problem with the Princeton offense, Coach. But then he heard something about a backdoor pass, and he's like, I'm done. I'm up. Yep. I'm going straight to the NBA. Yep. Chicago Bulls, by the way, were, uh, there's a rumor they're going to get Bill Carmody, Northwestern's coach as their new head coach, and they will run the Princeton offense in the NBA. That's only because supposedly all the rumors that Chris Broussard said it, that uh, the the Cleveland uh, beat writer said that LeBron's coming to Chicago, he's guaranteeing it 100%. And uh, he also added to the rumors because, yeah, he wanted Bill Carmody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't want to tease any Chicago fans out there. Uh And I don't want to hurt any New York fans or Cleveland fans. Yeah. Because he is leaving Cleveland, Cleveland fans, and New York, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, he ain't going there, but supposedly... All the rumors abound. He's coming to the shy coach. You know, you weren't on the show a couple of days ago. I forget if it was last week. It might have been this week. Memory, my short-term memory is not nearly as good as my long-term memory used to be, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But I made the statement, and shockingly, producer David Olson, who was the only guy around at the time, actually agreed with me. I don't know if he did it out of sympathy, but uh, Dave's not a sympathetic guy, so I think he actually He just probably actually, wanted to get off the subject. No, he actually agreed with me, and I made this weird comment, and the more I said it, the more I believed it. I actually don't want LeBron James to come to Chicago because, Big Dog, if they won a championship with LeBron, it's almost like it would be because of LeBron, not because of the guys that I follow. My Joakim Noahs, my Derek Roses, my Lou Aldangs, my Kirk Heinrichs. Would it, in some weird way, cheapen the championship? I want us to win without LeBron James. Does that make any sense? Well, I would rather have them win with then don't win without. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Name some players on the on the Chicago Bulls championship teams, coach. The championship teams. Yeah, any of the championship teams. Can you name some players that oh, weren't yeah. Michael Jordan? Johnny Paxson, Wild Bill Cartwright, Horace Grant, Tony Kukoc, Scottie Pippen, Bobby Hansen, B.J. Armstrong. Okay, you just named seven off the top of your list. Okay, name somebody. Name seven Chicago Bulls right now. You you. Okay. My point is, if you want those guys to be remembered, if you want them to be appreciated, yeah. those guys will be remembered forever if they win a championship. So I would much rather have people realize how good Joe Kim Noah is because LeBron James came here than well, if he wasn't here. They're not going to win without. They're, they're not going to win without him. Coach. That argument. Uh, well, I don't know about that. That argument well, might. Well, it depends work. on who else they get. Huh? Do you really think this team, as is, can win an NBA championship? As is, no. Yeah. They need an extra player. Is it Chris Bosh? Oh, no, no, I'm is... not saying, yeah, if you bring in a Chris Bosh, 
I'm just talking about LeBron is so freaking good. He is so dominant that if they win, it would be all about LeBron. We've already had that with all about Michael Jordan. Okay, I would rather have a guy like Bosch come in or, you know, maybe Amari Stoudemire, very, very good, and elevate that team. Maybe we get to the conference finals. Maybe we get to the NBA championship. But it's the Bulls team we've been building and rooting for a while. I think that would um, excite me a little bit more than, I mean, obviously winning a championship would be cool. But if it's all about LeBron, it would it would temper it just a bit. Well, hey, Coach, to be honest with you, if I had the option win an NBA championship with the roster as is, because I really do like these guys, they seem like a bunch of really good guys, mm-hmm. I would agree with you. But I'm, I'm not going to take the chance. If they have a shot at LeBron James, I'll deal with the fact that maybe Derrick Rose and Luol Deng and Joe Kim Noah don't get the, the, the overall credit they deserve for winning it because you bring in the king. Mm-hmm. But you know what? People like you and me, diehard basketball fans, and, and maybe even David Olson, okay, that I, I haven't spoken to him about this, but, you know, we appreciate how great Scottie Pippen was. We appreciate what Bill Cartwright did to actually have them win championships. It wasn't a lot. All it was was him basically throwing an elbow into the other good center every <laughs> single game. But, uh, you know what I mean? That's all he did. Everyone was like, oh, he sucked. No, 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 he did his job. His job was to irritate people. Not only did he irritate uneducated basketball fans, he irritated the best center on the other team for three seasons. You know, so we're, as educated basketball fans, one, people who actually care, will remember what Luol Dang did in his role for the Bulls winning championships or what Kirk Heinrich did coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to forget how great of a player Derrick Rose is just because LeBron James came to town. So I, I can understand you wanting to win without him, but I would much rather have him here and almost guarantee that they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals and contending for an NBA championship every single year. Uh, point well taken. Hard to argue that, but it's just a, a feeling I had, a very weird one I've often said, and it's a unusual comment to make, but uh, in sports, winning is overrated. Well, well Coach, how about this? <laughs> is, well, I, know, I, know, I understand what you're saying. I'm not even sure I understand what I'm saying, so I'm glad you understand what I'm saying. If Scottie Pippen ended up uh, being drafted by the uh, Seattle Sonics, okay, like he was, and the trade doesn't happen for Olden Polonese and all that other stuff, Scottie Pippen would end up being one of the 50 greatest players of all time, but he would have no ring. And nobody would think of him as, oh, he's the best defensive small forward of all time, one of the most versatile players. They'd say, oh, no, he was a really great player in the 1990s, he was an all-around very good player, and mm-hmm. yes, he's questionable in the top 50. Well, he played with Michael Jordan, and you know what people say? He's the best defensive small forward of all time. He might not be the leader of the pack, but he's like that number uh, two dog that you just have to have. You know, he's every, he's the he's the uh, the Robin to the Batman. So the fact that he won championships, the fact that he was teamed up with the greatest player ever, has given him more notoriety than he ever would have had if he was on a different team. So I would much rather have Derrick Rose who will, won't even be the best point guard in the NBA as long as Darren Williams is playing to be able to win an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jordan, apologist Joel Radwanski joining us on the show today. Yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy to. And anybody that says he does, he isn't a good owner or GM, I'll fight them too, Coach. I, well, Michael Jordan, I will go down swinging for that man. As long as he doesn't you know touch what? any of my sisters, and by the way, I don't have any, I'll never have a problem with Michael Jordan. <laughs> I might have gone down swinging 15 years ago. I'm not going down swinging for Michael Jordan anymore. Ever since he retired, even the tail end of his years, he started getting lower and lower in my uh, particular viewpoint. And now it's sad to say, as I look back at him, brilliant, brilliant player, but I don't like the guy. 
Okay, yeah, I, I hear a lot of off the court stuff too that kind of chaps my ass. But you know what? I, I'm not going to worry about it. There, there's mm-hmm. some guys that are untouchable, untouchable. I mean, you mm-hmm. know what? Everybody has, uh, you know, like potch marks. You know, the only problem is that you know he's got uh, a whole paparazzi following him all the time. Yes. You know what I mean? Eventually, Tiger was able to he succumbed to it. You know, and Michael Jordan really hasn't. You know, you hear all these little tiny stories, but you think how bad are they? You know. They're really not all that bad. You know, and maybe he blew off a couple autograph speakers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you walked out of your house and you continually, everywhere you went, had people hounding you, yes. every once in a while you might have, you know, not be feeling like you want to sign 100 autographs or 1,000 autographs that day. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 the stories of him having sex with dudes' husbands while they were there and all that, I mean, why, I mean that stuff is, that's, that's his own personal issue, mm-hmm. okay? Because just like South Park did it, you know, Ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of of men in the world wish they had the same uh, sexual addiction problem that Tiger Woods had. <laughs> we, sh- we should have <laughs> so, such bad problems, huh? Seriously, everyone's like, "Oh, he's got an issue." Oh, that's by the way, one of the, the Tiger Woods South Park uh, is one of the best South Parks of all time. Coach, you need to watch it. It is freaking hysterical. I have not seen that. Is that one that would be available on uh, www.hulu.com? I am absolutely positive that Beautiful. it would be, Coach. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm not a regular South Park watcher, but I might take your advice on that. All right, we got about two minutes left. Uh, folks, you want to chime in and talk some NBA playoffs, or we'll get real, real quick into a little baseball here. But if you're going to dial up, do it now because the show winded now. We can get you out if you call up right now at 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. The beautiful, the lovely, and the occasionally voluptuous. Producer David Olson uh, waiting. To answer your phone call, Big Dog, the uh, White Sox came up with a big win last night. The Cubs, a tough loss. White Sox at Target Field. We talked about it, not being a must win, but being a big win. And, in fact, they got one done 5-2 to two over the twin. Yeah, and I even said before the game, I wouldn't be surprised if they skipped Freddie Garcia, didn't I? Yes. And then, like, for some reason, because this was such a big series, and you know what, then again, if they skip him, you got to pitch Gavin Floyd on the same day rest. But you know what? Tip the hat to Freddie Garcia yesterday, changing speeds, locating his pitches. Yeah, I was able to watch most of that game until the Hawks started. Freddie Garcia looked really, really good. And I think they don't have to uh, – I like they started whispering they were going to send Gordon Beckham down to the minor leagues. You know what I mean? Kenny Williams didn't say it. Ozzie didn't say it. But supposedly there's whispers inside the organization that, you know, they, they can't handle him hitting 200. Well, I think he was just trying to get a base hit yesterday. He was, just like we said, short and quick coach, just what Aramis Ramirez is starting to look like. I think Aramis Ramirez is about to bust out of it, too, Coach. Mm-hmm. Even though his last at-bat, he struck out on a bad pitch. The one that he was making contact on, he was short and quick. Coach, he was hammering the ball yesterday. Gordon Beckham was making outs, and he was making great plays defensively. Yeah, that will definitely... I, I both of these teams about to explode. I really do. Okay, we both can hope so. Well, the... The problem is the Cubs don't have any middle relief pitching, so that's really going to hamper them. Yeah, well, we need some feel-good here for Chicago baseball. That would be good indeed. And, you know, the strength of the team was supposed to be their great starting pitching. There was a little question mark beyond the top four guys. You know, if Freddie Garcia can give us, you know, 10 to 12 wins and be decent as a fifth starter, the White Sox staff could be awesome. Well, Freddie Garcia's had a few bumps in the row for the most part. He's held up his end as the number five guy. But uh, And Johnny Danks is the number three guys held up his end, but one, two, and four, not so good. And that's part of the reason, part of the, reason the White Sox are still uh, well sub below zero. Well, you know what? Mark Burley, you know, he he's going to be fine, Coach. I, I, he's going to be fine. Well, he it's may be fine, but he hasn't been fine. 
Yeah, see, I'm not 100%. You know, Jake Peavy has the best upside. And he has started to show him like he's throwing strikes, yeah. you know, starting to hit his spots. But you know, I'm not 100% he's going to be fine because you're talking about a guy that's coming off all different types of injuries. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about a guy that all of a sudden has question marks whether or not he was uh, gooped up on Gop, if yep. you know what I'm saying, during his, his nice little run in San Diego. Yep. So, uh, But if he can get the ship righted, he is a legitimate, legitimate number one. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you have a, an ace. But, uh, you know, typically, you know, teams don't get rid of aces unless mm-hmm. – you know, they're, they're wondering if uh, he's any good. And that'll happen to pitchers. Right. You know, you get a shoulder problem, and you can never throw the ball like you used to. And you don't get that movement. You don't get that late break. You don't have the explosiveness like you used to. So yeah. as I, I know Burley's going to work his way out of it. Burley's going to end up with 15 wins this year, 25 quality starts. Uh, John Danks is going to consistently give him quality start after quality start. Mm-hmm. Gavin Floyd and and Jake Peavy, they are still huge question marks for the Chicago White Sox right now. Is is, is Gavin Floyd going to take that next step and, and end up being a quality number two pitcher in Major League Baseball? I know he's their number four, but you know mm-hmm. what I mean, that number two level. And, and is PB ever going to be an ace again? So yeah. well, that, we, that, those are huge, huge question marks for that team. We know one thing. There's no question marks here. Big Dove and the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, our boss here at the Talk Zone, writes in the starting lineup. You are clearly our number one. We're still trying to find a number two and number three. In fact, he's told uh, me and Dave Olson often that we are, in fact, number two. If you know what I mean. All right. I do know what you mean. Thank Coach. you very much. Big Dog, we'll talk to you maybe on uh, Friday. You're off tomorrow, right? Uh, I will try to give you a call tomorrow when John Beautiful. Benson is on the air just uh, to, to put the young man at ease. All right. Beautiful. Well, uh, TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody can be at ease now. Big Dog and the Coach signing off.